Battleground Productions presents Brass, the audio series, episode 37, Voices in the Dark. The year is 1886, but not one that would be familiar to you. For while in this world, like our own, the astonishing Nikola Tesla is partly responsible for creating radio, here, due to certain fortunate events, he has created a working wireless apparatus a good decade before in our own, which has made many extraordinary things possible including the cat-and-mouse conversations between Lord Benjamin Brass in Paris and his counterfeit friend in London, Professor Eric von Hoffmann, who is in reality his nemesis, the Crime Minister. Benjamin! Thank goodness! Sorry I'm late with my transmission, Eric. I was worried that something had happened to you. Something has, dear friend. Something wonderful. Yes? Well, what is it? I found funding for our cause. Oh! Yes! A consortium of Slovakian businessmen have agreed to back us. So now we shall be able to begin to execute our plan. Oh, my friend, it is so exciting. How wonderful! Now you must tell me more of this plan. I shall reveal all to you, my friend. It is quite ingenious. And it depends upon you in some very important ways. Let us talk again in two days. Shall we say around tea time? It would be better to be more specific. No doubt. But I can't. Yet in two days' time, we'll sit you with your tea and me with mine, and I'll tell you all the details. Ah, here's the taxi. Simply must dash. Tom! He must know you're lying. Oh, I expect he might. But he still doesn't know what to do about it. And while he's trying to figure that out, it's on to our next move. Reports from our agents are that he's using everything at his disposal to discover where we are. Oh, I would be. It is our single greatest advantage over him, and he knows it. Once he has discovered our bases of operation, it'll be all over for us. He's got the most powerful empire on the Earth at his disposal. But that's a difficult weapon to use with any precision. So I've noticed. Abed, I will not pretend that the British Empire has always been on the side of right, nor had the best intentions for the people that we govern. That's gracious of you. Perhaps, however, if we can manage to pull this off, there will be an opportunity to be different and do better. Perhaps. Inch Allah. Now, the emissary from Prince Dakar is downstairs and wants to finalize our travel arrangements. And a driver has arrived with a new auto carriage you requested to lease. Delightful. Isn't it a marvel in an age of wonders how often, my friend... One is offered passage in an entirely novel vessel. Certainly more so when I associate with you, Lord Brass. It is early evening, and the home of Police Constable Richards, a small walk-up flat located at the less desirable end of Clapham Road. Light in the yard for a bit of tea. Good evening, Constable. What? How are you? Friends, we hope. I've got me truncheon. There's no need for it. We've met before. We haven't. You may remember doing a kindness or two a month ago for a certain Clovis Worth child. A pleasant young man. Mr Ponder Wright introduced me to him. Not a man, not a him. Your hat, Mr Crawford. It is. Good evening, Constable. Good Lord, it's you. It is, Constable. You're, You're a woman. And, and, and wait, wait I, I, I recognise you from the Battle of Babbage Street. Aye, I were there. On the other side of the fight, 
That's true, Constable. You're a criminal. He's reformed. Uh, Semi-reformed. What are you doing in me flat? Well, we weren't about to meet you at your station. Constable Richards, Ponder Wright said you were the most honest man on the Metropolitan Force, and so we've come to ask you a favour and to bring you this. What's this? Evidence. A lot of it. Proven that Lord Oswald Trent has committed numerous criminal acts and to this day continues to do so, including theft, bribery, fraud and many less savoury crimes. Where's it all from? Retrieved from the criminal lair of the Red Widow, a woman whom my family and I arrested some time ago. A lair, I might add, which still featured several death traps which I had to negotiate. It was a privilege watching you work, miss. At a considerable distance, I noticed. I've no interest in getting closer than I must to such things as a fire pit and a razor pendulum. In any case, Mr Crawford here knew where they were, I was able to retrieve them, and now we bring this collection of receipts, letters, bank statements and affidavits to you. What do you want me to do with it? Arrest him. Arrest the Prime Minister? That's the man. But that's sedition, miss. If what you mean is taking part in an attempt to overthrow the government, then yes, it is. But there's an officer of the law. And that's precisely why we need you to arrest him. As someone who upholds the law, it's your duty to see that it's administered properly. You're our man. Oh, I don't think I am, miss. You are a police constable, and you've got the badge, truncheon and helmet to prove it. I have those things, miss, but I... I don't think I'm the man who can get to him for you. We'll get you to him. But even if you do, you must understand, off the department, including most of my superiors, are are now Trent's men. They'd never countenance such a thing. The fish rots from the top, as they say. We'll get you to him. Permission to speak not as an officer of the law? Uh, Granted? It took me 14 years to work up to the rank of police sergeant. The day I made it was my family's proudest moment. Then came the Battle of Babbage Street. But a few days after, there was talk about commendations, a promotion to inspector, even a medal. But then came the official government inquiry, and I was charged with insubordination, willful endangerment of fellow officers, and unwanted battery of common citizens. Within a week, I was constable again. Now they're burying me in paperwork, hoping I'll just quit. And why haven't you? Because I'm a policeman, and I believe that it is a noble thing to give absolute impartial service to the law, as Sir Robert Peel said. He also said, agitation is the marshalling of the conscience of a nation to mould its laws. Did he? He did. And that is our aim, to marshal the conscience of this nation. Constable Richards, all we ask of you is to do your job. Read and consider the evidence. If what you see convinces you, then we need your help. To arrest the Prime Minister? It's part of a larger plan. Larger than arresting the Prime Minister? Yes, in fact. Now, will you look at the evidence? Eh... I will, miss. Splendid. But if I find it conclusive, what then? Let us know by sending a note to this address and then meet us at this address on Friday afternoon at three o'clock. This address? Yes, the entrance on Abington Street. Miss, even if I believe what's here, 
I won't be able to do this on my own. And I don't know if I can get any additional men. If we've done our job, you'll have plenty. That evening, in the antechamber to the dark room, the very man under discussion, Lord Oswell Trent, arrives for his interview with the Crime Minister. Wait out there, Thomas. I won't be long. Good evening, Lord Trent. Good evening, miss. What's your name again? O'Leary, sir. Honestly, I will try and remember next time. So, what sort of mood is he in? I'm sure I don't know. Oh, you must. I know he's a bit of a deep thinker and all that, but he's just a man. He has his good days and his not-so-good days. I don't think this is one of his good days. Oh? Not that a man like you should worry, of course. Give me a light, will you? All right. You know, Lord Trent, you're not a bad-looking fella. Ah, you finally noticed. Oh, of course. I noticed some time ago. And you've got some boldness about you as well. I do indeed, you comely wench. Come here. Well, wait a moment. If you're so bold, why is it you let the man in that dark room boss you about so? Sorry? Making you come here to have your chats. Sending your orders and instructions, like he's the Prime Minister. It is rather galling, I'll admit. You know what I think his secret is? Darkness. He sits there in that dark room, and we go in there one by one. Never see his face, never see anything. Could be a trapdoor you're standing on or something worse. And that voice of his. Yes, that voice is something else. But when all's said and done, he's a man. A man with a clever setup. That's all. Well, look at the time. I'll make you late for your meeting. But you just think about what I've said, Lord Trent. The only power he has over us is that pitch-black room. Oh, and thanks for the light. Welcome, Lord Trent. I thought we were overdue for a chat. A chat, eh? Yes. It seems that you've been misbehaving a bit, and in ways that I cannot allow. Allow? Indeed. When I ask you through my agents to do me a small task, or a good turn, you berate them. You say that you don't take commands, and suggest that I am being unreasonable in my requests. Like 500 soldiers sent off to Scotland, for example? That came up as a question in Parliament three days ago, and I had to shuffle papers and cough, and eventually say that it was a classified mission regarding national security. And so it is. Because your men let two feeble septuagenarians slip away into the night? My men? Lord Trent, I had hoped that we were working in concert, not at odds. It would be a very poor idea to be at odds with me. Really, this is quite enough. Sorry? You keep asking me to send your instructions and orders hither and yon, all under my name, and half the time I have no idea who it's going to and what it's doing. Half the time? All right then, most of the time. 
This last request regarding the airships, it came up at a meeting today with the Ministry of Science, and I had no idea what they were asking about. You could have simply said triangulation, if you had read the file and understood it, of course. You think I'm a puppet, don't you? Your little puppet to dangle about on your strings? A puppet? Never. A tool, perhaps, for certain delicate tasks. You think I'm an idiot? Well, let me tell you, blood will tell. I may not be the one to win the prize dictionary at end of year honors, but my family have been right ruthless bastards for a very long time. I've got my own sources, you know, and they say things are starting to fall apart around here. Well, if they are, I'm not taking blame. You're not going to have me as your patsy. I know plenty, and I know what to do with that knowledge. You do? Well then, who do you think I am? You hear that? It's a matchbox. All I need do is light one of these matches inside to learn everything I need to know about you. You think? Well then, light it. Go on. Where are you? Where I've always been. Hiding beneath that desk? Oh, don't be ridiculous. Come, look. You see, no one is in the chair, under the desk, in the desk, or anywhere else. Then where are you? Oh, I'm in a very dark place. Where? Your mind. What? I don't just live in this room, Lord Trent. I'm with you all the time. When you leave here, you'll carry me out in your head. That's ridiculous. Oh. Then how is it that I have always known your deepest, most vile secrets? You said that you had receipts. Do you see any receipts here? No, there are no receipts. There is just me, sitting in your head, watching, cataloging, calculating, enjoying. That's how I knew that you were the right man for the job, because I know you inside out. This is some trick. Ventriloquism, hypnotism... No trick, Oswald. I've been with you for quite some time, you know? With me? As close as the back of your mind. The thing that you can't quite remember. From early on. Why, I can remember when you were little more than a boy and got that poor girl in the family way. What was her name? What girl? Felicity. When you seduced that poor housemaid, I was there. And I was there when you stood mute as she was let go. And I was even there when you heard the news that she had hanged herself and did not give it as much thought as your favored horse down at the track. You can't know that. And yet I do. I have been there not only for each sin, but for what follows. The lies, the justifications, the excuses you make to yourself. There's a space in most people where they keep a soul. I swear, I've looked and I don't know if there's even the remnants of one in you. This... you can't know. Oh, I know. I know it all. How desperate you are for people to think you're important. Poor little Oswald. His father drinks, you know. And his mother keeps company with Sir Basingdon. And now Sir Fraser. 
And that scandalously young Lord Roehampton. Stop this. Stop this and be quiet now. And now look, your prime minister, how very important. But we know the truth, don't we? We know what a frightened little boy you are, lighting your matches, jumping at shadows. Stop it. Do you know what Stop. I shall do if you delay my orders again? I shall make you tell them all. Your mouth will open and my voice will speak. And they'll all hear who you really are. A spoiled little boy who's never had to pay for any of what he's done. His lies, his cruelty, his pathetic attempts to fill that lonely little hole where a soul should be. Please. Please? Please. Don't. I'm sorry. And you'll do as you're told? I will do as I'm told. Splendid. I knew you would, because I know you, Oswald, better than you know yourself, how weak you really are. Now, you may go. All right. Thank you. Run along and be good. And remember, I'll be with you. With me? Riding along in the back of your head, hearing and seeing everything. You have no secrets from me, Oswald. If you're a good, obedient boy, I won't say a thing about them. Cross me again, that it will all, all come out. <laughs> Only oh, I Sir. That's all done. I don't believe we'll be having any more problems with Lord Trent. He looked as white as a sheet. A disembodied voice, a bit of family research, and an overactive imagination can do wonders. Has a receiver also been placed in Downing Street? In his bedchambers, yes. Lovely. We'll give that a try tomorrow evening. A gentle reminder that he's never far from our thoughts. That will do for tonight. I will begin transmissions tomorrow at 9 a.m. Out. The lieutenant to the most powerful man in England flips off the switch of Tesla's wireless device and exits the room, wondering, not for the first time, what her fate might be if her employer becomes dissatisfied with her. Good heavens! Plots and counterplots, and perhaps even counter-counterplots, what will happen when all of these stratagems collide one into another? To begin to witness the results of it all, join us for the next episode of The Adventures of the First Family of the Realm, Brass. Brass is manufactured by Battleground Productions and features Kate Cray as Lady Brass, Charles Leggett as Lord Brass, Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn Brass, and Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with Larry Albert, Dennis Bateman, Margie Bickman, Lisa Carswell, Amy Decker, Nancy Fry, Ronnie Hill, Philip Keeman, John Longenbaugh, Matt Middleton, Terry Edward Moore, Tad Morgan, Pam Nolte, and Nikki Vissel. Brass was recorded at Jack Straw Studios, engineered by Joel Maddox, with sound design by Kirsty Gilmore and music composed by Bruce Monroe.
It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh. For more information on Brass, go to battlegroundproductions.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, and to support us, fund us on Patreon and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.